I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a very special episode, our Q&A episode of World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood, joined live in studio by my co-creator, Justin Robert Young. How you doing, Justin? Great, Brian. I think I was 47 years old when this happened. And we had just released a major project. The second, in fact. It was after the second season of World's Greatest Con, my co-creator, Justin Robert Young, came to me and said, Hey, Brian, we need to do the Q&A. And it was at that moment I had a totally independent thought. We should do the (laughs) Q&A. And that's when it all hit me that this would be our question and answer episode. The triumphant final crowning of our second season of World's Greatest greatest con it's gonna sound good with all the music <laughs> it's gonna sound good in fact it just did it just did sound good maybe before we even begin we could talk about sort of the voice of a podcast and how it's something that you discover and not something you decide yeah yeah you you find it i mean we certainly did not set out uh to make the the voice of this show what it became it was very much a product of uh you know i think kind of where we were i mean like it very much is a child of of the pandemic like it is it is a child of of introspection and escapism and and all these things that i think everybody was feeling during lockdown and obviously you know how much of the of your soul is kind of bared in the show it suddenly occurs to me that somewhere is that very first recording because all of this began with a phone call of you calling me randomly saying, Hey, if you could have a show about anything, what would it be? I'd be like, Oh, it'd be about world's greatest cons. Yeah. And then you immediately asked, great. What's the world's greatest con? And I was like, Oh, it's gotta be operation mincemeat. And you said, great. What's that? And I started yeah. to explain, I got about two sentences in and you were like, stop talking. I'm going to hang up. You're going to press record on a voice memo. Just talk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and so it all began. And then that's where uh, only iteratively did we get to the point where we had this kind of sweeping epic narrative, this mixture of small world and big world and yeah. personal and uh, and historical that uh, brought us to this moment, which gets me to the question I want to ask you, uh-huh. which was despite all of my confidence and bravado, secretly, I wasn't entirely sure of myself when you asked okay, we just covered the world defeating Hitler. What would you like to do next? And I said, how about this? TV game Game shows. (laughs) Yeah, I think when we were first spitballing for season two, uh, the the biggest things that I think we 
couldn't have with a story as big as mincemeat is relatability uh, or, or familiarity with the world. Like, like the fun thing about that story is the escapism of like, Oh, what would it be like to be in this all or nothing thing? And, and the, bringing you to these worlds was, was a really fun. The first season really could just as easily have been about, uh, the rebels plan to deceive Palpatine, you yes. know, that like, that's how far our Removed, generation yeah. is from that, from that story. But th- if you have an element of familiarity or relatability, that is something that at least we hadn't done before. And, and also you need stakes. And that's where it's like, I knew we had that with game shows. We had, we had familiarity and we had relatability with game shows. Did we have the stakes? Like, right. cause no matter what you, you can't beat Hitler twice, <laughs> but like you, you have to have something that people care about. And that was my biggest, uh, uh, the, 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 the nut, that that eventually had to get cracked as we were into our research phase, which, by the way, comes after we decide what we're going to do, what we're going to do. Right. Like we, we already chartered the boats. We got the crew. We decided where we're going. And then comes the question. So what's there? Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. Right. And and I think it was into the research for for the for the quiz show stuff when as soon as I think we cracked the reputational element of it, which is just not discussed at all. Well, and, and I think I again, like, Oh, we, we got, we got something there, there's, there's, there's a deeper, there's some very good world's greatest con treasures in, in this, in this genre. Well, and I think the beginning of episode one really speaks to that where, uh, there are those who are familiar with the story of the scandal as it was unfolding. You know, some of our older listeners watched it as it unfolded live. Uh, some folks had seen the the movie in the nineties, yep. but you and I were really struck by just this one odd artifact of, of the perjuring. And it's like, nobody's really talking about that. And uh, there are times in our process where we go back and we clarify, we re-record, we get more precise answers. We discover what's there, Yeah, but almost a completely unbroken monologue in that hypnosis bit at the beginning of episode one. Mm-hmm. And uh, much like uh, in season one, that's the way it was when I spoke candidly about my brother. Yeah. But, but in this case uh, it did help that I had traveled for 10 years with a hypnotist who I love dearly. And uh, <laughs> I think you commented later that it's like, yeah, that was a really good impression of a hypnotist show. So good. It makes me think it's not an impression, it's so but it's, somebody's actual show. You're just describing. <laughs> can we say, we should say, uh, uh, well, or, it, it was a blend of a couple okay. of different hypnotists, but, but the induction and the rhythm that I'm talking about is me channeling CJ Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Shout uh, out to CJ. Uh, yeah. Somebody who I, I toured with to colleges. We actually toured with, of all uh, bands, uh, Brooks and Dunn, Rascal Flats, and Brad Paisley back in the day. Uh, and, uh, I, I got to hear that induction a lot. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, we ran into CJ at a, at a thing that for your, for your wife's, uh, uh, art uh, a few weeks ago. And it was the first time that I'd seen him since the episode came out. And I was like, so you heard the episode and he's like, yeah, it's great. I'm like, how'd you like your entire act being exposed in, uh, <laughs> our intro for the season? And he's like, oh, it's great. And I'm like, 
Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, uh, thank Very God happy had, about you that. You had the wisdom to ask that after it was published. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it was too good to not to, to ask permission, right? But before we d- dive in on the specific questions, I do want to comment really quick that a side benefit, as hard of a left turn as it was to go from Hitler to game shows, to go from a big story in chapters to small anthologies, that was such an important flex for our own storytelling benefit because once you have set the spectrum that wide, yeah. that means that means we get to tell any tale of deception at any time. It could yeah. be current news. It could be past news. It could be firsthand accounts. It could be uh, 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 speculation from thirdhand accounts and on and on and on. Yeah. And, and, you know, without, we, we can't get into where we're, where we're going, but you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in the middle between those two points. And, and I'm very, very excited to, to dig into it. But All right. What questions we got? Let's focus on, on the, on the season that we just did. Uh, Edward wrote in wouldn't, and this is something that we get a lot. So I just figured we can address it. Wouldn't the world's greatest con be one that we don't know about. And they got away with it undetected. That would be number one, a hundred percent. Correct. Number two, a very, very short podcast. So let's do it right now. Yeah. <clears throat> This is World's Greatest Con. I'm Brian Brushwood. Somewhere, somehow, a con was pulled off so perfect that they got the most money and they never got caught. The end. This episode of World's Greatest Con yeah. was created by Brian. <laughs> no, come on, we can get a better help at it. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Chris writes, uh, this is about episode one, uh, a question that came to my mind that, uh, I wondered if you guys had any info on why did 21 broadcast live instead of recording it? This seems like they were opening themselves up to the risk of somebody going rogue instead of sticking to their lines without the luxury of editing or recording later on. Was this just because of the time period? Because I'm struggling to think of many game shows that air live. This is something that um if you i find this stuff fascinating yeah. because if you're young enough that is a very sensible question yes but if you're old enough that is a hilarious question yeah right it, it is it is very similar to the question of well why didn't michael larson just uh, uh put into a spreadsheet on his computer all of <laughs> all the, the serial bills. numbers <laughs> and he could just search uh, uh on his iPad and he would find it immediately. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't want to take any way, anything away from the question is it is a good question but yes. uh, to give historical context uh this is what 1964 or uh, 1956 1956. Yeah. Okay. So uh understand that at that time um uh television really is just radio with pictures. Yes. And uh magnetic tape storage was only barely getting discovered. In fact, it was not until after World War II as people, uh, uh, as the allies were looting German stores that they discovered high quality magnetic tape uh, uh, recorders. There were people whose contracts stipulated that they absolutely would only do their show live because it sounded like garbage if it was ever recorded. Yeah. Uh, there were some video recorders that would use, and this part I might get wrong because we're not fact-checking and all that stuff. We're doing this live to tape, but um, but a, a single like thread of steel that they would use magnetic uh, 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 recordings on. Uh, but all pretty much anything you see from the 1950s is uh, I'm going to look at our producer, John, who might know. I think it's called a, a kinetoscope. Is that what it's called? 
John Hess from Filmmaker IQ has a wonderful series on all of this stuff. And uh, I'm certain he would know the specific answer. I think it's called a kinetoscope, but basically it's just a straight up television broadcasting here in America, NTSC over in Europe, it would be PAL 24 frames per second. It gets technical, but they would straight up just have a film camera pointed at a television. Yeah. That's how we have all of the footage from I love Lucy. It's yep. how we have all of the footage from any of the game shows. That is a, a film camera pointed at a, a, essentially a, a radio. Tel- yeah. 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 So, so understand that there were significant technological barriers at the time. And it's remarkable that we have as much as we do. Uh, the first commercially successful, VCR. Have any idea on when it was released to the public? I know that the most, from a legal perspective, important VCR was in the 1970s, the Betamax, because it went all the way to the Supreme Court, forcing the Betamax decision in which time shifting your programming became allowed. So I'll go out on a limb and say Betamax by Sony. 1956. What? The same year that we are talking about. Uh, for the quiz show scandals, any idea on what it cost? Uh, 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 well, adjusted for inflation, I'll say the, all the money, all of it. <laughs> yes, fifty thousand dollars. Holy moly! Fifty thousand dollars is what they is is what they went for, and and this is something that I covered on the the Raise the Dead podcast. But like, if you really look at John F. Kennedy's master mastery of the media and his team's mastery of the media, it's not in the the debates, which I think are are misinterpreted and overhyped, but rather that he bought one of those VCRs. So that was, he could essentially watch the dailies. Not only could he record and critique his own performance and continue to refine it, but they also would cut uh, those- uh, Packages. They would cut packages for local news. And so they would send- 15, 30 second and minute clips, knowing that those were the holes that would go into packages. That's they would send that to television stations that would be in their interest with clips, with the messages they wanted to get out to those voters. Uh, how remarkable that 50 years later, that's one of the most reviled practices out there because it turns the news into propaganda where somebody else does your job for you. Yep. World's Greatest Con is brought to you by Blinkist. You know what they do. They take big ideas, big books, and condense them down into bite-sized chunks so that you can make the changes to your life to be a better person. This year, they want to empower people to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspectives on your lives and into the world of 2022. With their new initiative, 22 Ideas for 2022, they want to focus on how Blinkist content can incredibly impact all of our lives. Me personally, I love the works of Ryan Holiday. His books, Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way, introduced me to stoicism and the importance of making it through rough times. And it was really a treat to go back and re-experience the blinks of these. 13 minutes got me a refresher course on an entire book. And they have so many different titles, a short history of nearly everything, origin story, a brief history of everyone who ever lived. All of these are going to make you better and they're all written to be easy to digest. 
So jump right in, give it a free seven-day trial, and when you do sign up for the service, you'll get 25% off a Blinkist Premium membership if you head on over to Blinkist.com slash WGC. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash WGC for World's Greatest Con to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash WGC. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh, Alex writes, I just finished listening to episode one and uh, episode two, and the immediate question I had was, what was the outcome on the television industry? Uh, I think specifically with, uh, the quiz show scandals. Did the FCC issue some kind of uh, rule or law book for game shows? Is there some mysterious game show host guild that runs uh, the, the the new the game show New World Order, or is it somewhat of a wild west when it comes to feeding answers and the honor system? Uh, uh, actually, no, that was uh, Connor, not Alex. I apologize. That's one of those that I'm just as curious as you are into the specifics of it. But early in the process, I wanted desperately to go all the way in the weeds on this stuff, to explore the question of uh, game show itself is a curious phrase because if yeah. it's a game that makes it a sport, which means prearranging the outcome is a crime. If it's a show, then it's professional wrestling, in which case it's no different than Shakespeare and anything goes, right? Reality programming is a show, uh, but then you get into weird territory like your America's Got Talents or any yep. kind of competition show that is a game show, which is technically a sport. And so um, uh, I ultimately early in the process, we realized that getting too far in the weeds would probably not make for good, fun, it just simple wasn't, stories. It, 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 it is a good episode. It just wasn't that episode. 
You right. know, it, it was, it was, we, 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 as soon as like we found the reputational element and, you know, we, we, you kind of realize that, oh, wait, like there's a cost for people to be living a lie in their most famous moment. And as and, we found and, out in episode one, uh, everyone before Dan Enright had been trading on that. Dan Enright was the first one where the bill came due. And Dan Enright, I, I'd hate to give credit to where it's due, but that dude had the sense to leave the country for a little bit <laughs> and uh, come yeah. back and pretend nothing happened. Uh, I do have some information on this. So, uh, uh, yes, the FCC does now have rules in terms of game shows that like absolutely everything needs to be above board. But it also is partly the reason why advertising is the way that it is right now. The concept of a commercial break with separate ads that you put in the center of it, as opposed to what we saw during that episode where it's, you know, brought to you by Geritol. Right. Uh, that was because with the shame that came along with those shows tanking, the advertisers were like, let's all agree that none of us should be putting our names so embedded into these things. Let's uh, uh, remove our culpability from television, you know, uh, 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 mistakes and misdeeds. And let's go to this less personal, hey, we're just running an ad like like a magazine uh, page, which is the, and, the and metaphor is, that they described it with. To, to this day, sort of a middle ground. We see it on Wheel of Fortune. We see it on uh, The Price is Right, where it's like promotional consideration, provide you know, products provided by. So they're essentially and, and, ads, and in, but, in, but in, they're in, not. In ways, we've seen it come back. Yeah. We've seen the idea of like, okay, well now- Everybody hates ads. Everybody skips stuff. DVR has crushed the concept of people sitting around and watching anything live. Uh, so now you kind of need to bake it more into the show. You are you are closer to the idea of title sponsors. Even in a competition reality show that takes itself very seriously, like uh, let's say Survivor or whatever, uh, uh, the branding of the flat screen television that they're fighting for will be very, very clear. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. The last show that I could remember that made a joke about this was the Dana Carvey show, which each episode had a different title sponsor of like Taco Bell or Mug Diet Root Beer or whatever. They were all Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, know, I, don't, I don't know. Well, you know one, of the, one of them was Mountain Dew. So I guess it was. It was, it was all probably yum. But uh, there is a, a documentary about that series that has the funniest clip uh, because they're highlighting the fact that on ABC, they were after home improvement and they were this very avant-garde, uh, uh, crazy sketch show. And, and to, to be clear, this is a comedy sketch show in prime time, right? Yes. Uh, in the early nineties, uh, that was supposed to be Dana Carvey, Carvey's ascendancy. Post SNL, like, uh, this was, he was going to do this thing. He was going to keep doing all these SNL characters that people loved on his own thing. Uh, but the clip is a promo for home improvement. And it's an episode where Jonathan Taylor Thomas's character has a cancer scare. Oh, geez. And so it's a very special episode, capital letters for everything. 
ABC Tuesday. A parent's worst fear, losing a child. I don't want to die, Dad. You never know whose family it will happen to. An episode so powerful, it hits home. We'll beat this thing, no matter what it is, you know. I'm not letting anything happen to you. A special home improvement, followed by the Diet Mug Root Beer Dana Carvey Show. <laughs> I wonder why they got canceled immediately. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's been a haunted uh, a haunted and fraught concept ever, yes. ever since the quiz show. Although, weirdly, uh, in the early days of video on the internet, uh, it came back with a vengeance. Uh, so says somebody who participated in a lot of it. Uh, the most popular clip on uh, the Scam School series continues to be sitting at 20 million views. The episode that contains a two minute segment in which I explain that using Netflix, you can have DVDs sent to you <laughs> via the mail. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, 18 ish years ago, writes Grant. Uh, my best friend and I were out uh, at a hypnotist uh, show in Waterloo. The selection trick was having your hands stuck together. And my friend was committed. He couldn't get them apart even after not getting selected, even with my help. Being as he was like a brother to me, I let him suffer until he sorted it all out, even finished his beer for him. What's family for? Uh, if I hadn't been a poor student at the time, I've, uh, I'd have brought the, uh, bought the showman around if only for the side entertainment that he gave me. Turns out my friend went to another show later that year, got picked, did the humiliating things, convinced himself he was really out of control and took a month for his trigger phrases to wear off. Uh, he gets his validation now doing semi amateur stand-up shows. Can't wait to hear what else you have this season. And, uh, you definitely triggered some fun memories with these framing devices. If there's one regret I have about that opening, it's that uh, hypnotism itself unfairly gets collapsed into one concept when it's really many different concepts in very different situations. Uh, I spoke very specifically about why the pressure, the social pressure uh, to comply is so important to a stage hypnotist act. Now, having said that, even stage hypnotists Maybe, uh, and I've spoken to several, uh, they all agree that like, in general, that's how it goes. And that's, that's why reliably they can yeah. put on a show, but let's say one in a hundred people, one in a hundred humans. So say once every three shows, you get somebody who truly is very, very good at instantly going into what I believe is called a hypnagogic state. And, uh, when people ask what hypnosis is, is it real? I always ask them. Uh, have you ever cried at a movie, ever laughed at a movie? And I say, great, congratulations, you've been hypnotized. You're laughing at a thing that never happened to people who never existed. Yeah. Uh, this is a fantasy that you were guided to make real in your mind, real enough that you had a physical response to it, right? Uh, as you would imagine, various people have uh, different abilities to instantly access that state. I think that that's part of what makes actors uh, particularly skilled and talented at what they do because they're told in exactly two minutes, you're going to need to visualize and experience the death of your father yeah. and go on cue, right? That's very, some people can do that. Some people cannot. So to the stage hypnotist, when they encounter somebody who easily slips all the way into a hypnagogic state, uh, Boy, oh boy, do they have a good time yeah. because there's like, that's the part where the stage hypnotist is having as much fun as the audience. And so to your friend, I would encourage you, uh, the way I described it made it sound like it's only the social pressure cue that, that is making it happen. But please allow for, because the way the, the hand sticking together experiment works is that they give you two conflicting 
commands. One is the harder you try to pull your hands apart, the more they will be stuck together. And if you are truly trying your best to follow instructions, yeah. then then quite literally, uh, you're, if you have the right type of brain for it, you will experience this unreal supernatural, like the harder I'm pulling apart, the more they stick together. I don't understand it, which of course is the social proof that gets you to go up on stage and there's only more social proof. And then from, from that point forward, we're closer to the story as I told it, but please trust me when I say, Boy, oh boy, don't reduce all hypnotism to my story. My story is a rough outline of why, in general, stage hypnotism works. As as, as an entertainment form. As a reliable entertainment form. Reliably can go in the same way that you can sing a song and you can uh, do a dance. You can also do these things. That's what you were describing. I will double down on the surreality of the vast majority of people on stage, in general, tend to have never been on stage before. They've never entered the so-called flow state of being totally present in the moment, only thinking of performing and doing what's funny. And there truly is, after the show's over, this, this amnesiac uh, effect. It's, it's Most performers uh, have experienced it, but if you ain't performed, then it's going to feel like weird hypno magic to you. Yeah. Marin wrote in, do you think a lot of people who perpetrate cons have an inflated sense of their own intelligence or that they assume others are less intelligent based off their own wants? I personally think that it's a combination of the two. As you say on the show, they try and target dishonest people, but the story in our fourth episode, and that was our Carrie Ketchum password episode, makes me question a lot of this because surely he would have realized that he would be recognized on television, right? Well, let's start with that specific case. That is straight up a cornered rat. And if you have ever seen Los Angeles television be interrupted for a live car chase, you see every manner of crazy move tried in the last desperate moments before they know they're going to be captured by the police. You see them moving from one car to another, jumping over fences, hiding in crazy places and all that stuff. To me, that that's where Kerry Ketchum was at. Uh, Yes. Calculated risk. Uh, Hopefully I'll have the money by the time this airs and I'll be out of town. Uh, Turns out not so much. I also think that this is something that ages differently. Like in that realm even in the 80s and yes at that point there were the 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 concept of media permanence was kind of beginning to dawn like you said that is more the age of betamax and stuff like that so the concept of this is is kind of there i do think that fundamentally we think of media in a in a different way where now if somebody were in that situation that ketchum was it would not be if it would be when right. somebody would find it, because even though there is, you know, as much media as there's ever been, it's all recorded effectively forever. And, right. and somebody would see it and se- and and somebody would share it uh, going going forward. Well, and uh, there's a soft target on one of my other podcasts. We're doing a rewatch of the original uh, Miami Vice series uh, show that was originally shot in standard definition, I guess, on film, but broadcast at standard definition on four by three. Uh, oh, never recorded, never replayed all, you know, just on a Friday night, you caught it or you didn't. And it is so much fun knowing just a little bit about production to press pause on Don Johnson's face and look, zoom in on his sunglasses and then, you know, screen capture and, you know, 
snarkily text to, uh, to all my friends, like a uh, nice shot of the boom operator. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, all, all this stuff that, that nowadays we would think of, but, but there was no reason to think of back in the day. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I actually screwed up and did not get the, the name for this one. So apologies to the person who wrote this, but uh, it's true that 21 was the best known of the rig shows to the point that it probably most people uh, that know of these things think of it first if you mention the quiz show scandals. But I think it would have been worth mentioning another show called Dotto, which was a quiz based on Connect the Dots. I don't know if this came up during your research. Uh, indeed, it did. Uh, uh, it was just, you know, not the story that we were Well, and, and to pull back the curtain a little bit on the process, uh, you see this in season one. Uh, the reason we have it split into four chapters is because each of the four ch- chapters teaches a different lesson about the way our brains are flawed yeah. and a different lesson about the underworld and a different chapter of the big story. So in this case, we have independent stories. Uh, you'll notice that all five in the anthology Uh, The first one begins with the landscape, the why do we care? And, you know, this is the powerful abusing the weak. And then the second one is the weak breaking the game of the powerful and the consequences of the type of brain that can do that. What happens to them? Uh, The third episode is uh, I I might have gotten a little bit fired up about uh, the the, the heist pulled in that one. Uh, The fourth episode is, to my mind, my favorite because it's the, the uncomfortable question of, what happens when a bad guy does good answer? Yeah. He still gets screwed. And then uh, the fifth episode is just a straight up whodunit with uh, uh, where we get to explore why memory is so flawed. And uh, uh, so in that framework, when we get two stories that are similar enough, we kind of have to pick a winner and a loser uh, for, for that chapter. Now it doesn't mean we can't go well, back and, and tell and that story in a different season. Yeah. In a different I mean, context. This is, it, it really is the beginning of that story. It was just a, a decision to kind of skip further down the road. So we, we were closer to the kind of big, I mean, uh, to, to the world we spend most of the time in. Yeah. It, it really, the, the decision was made with that episode that the real conflict was between Stemple and Enright. And to do that, we just need to start with Enright and then shortly after introduce Stemple. But for Dotto, Dotto, the story with Dotto is fascinating. It's another Enright, Barry and Enright production. Uh, they were indeed cheating. And the way that the entire grand jury that eventually plays a, a big pivotal role in our episode got started was because a dude said he was, uh, uh, he lost on Dotto because his opponent had the answers. And the way he knew it was because she had written down all of the answers and he found it in her diary, which she had left backstage. Oh, wow. And so that's what gets the ball rolling for the, the, the grand jury. And that's a fascinating thing. I'm glad we're able to talk about it now, because if you really like the season, you should know this because it is very interesting, but it wasn't the story that we were telling, which was about reputation and, and all that. And that's, that's why we got right into where we got. Yeah. Look, man, if you're in the business of doing YouTube and TV stuff, your face is your moneymaker. Guess what? If you exist in society, your face is your moneymaker. Take care of your face. Have good skin. Go and visit our friends over at Geology. Geology is a nine-time award-winning men's skin care company recognized in Men's Health, Esquire, and Ask Men Grooming Awards. They got 5,000-plus five-star reviews. People love this stuff. Geology puts together a simple, effective skincare routine customized just for you with ingredients that are proven to work and formulated to use every single day. 
Their skincare is built around just a handful of powerful, proven ingredients. Stuff that has been trusted by dermatologists for decades. Real ingredients like retinol, niacinamide, and kojic acid. They don't do dandelion root extract or sage leaf oil. They'll leave that to the other jokers. Geology is one of the only men's skincare companies to have retinol as an active ingredient in their products. That means they can help you fight acne, reduce oiliness, prevent wrinkles, combat dark or puffy under eyes. And the best part is to get started, you take a simple 30-second quiz. You say exactly what your concerns are. Mine, sometimes I get a little bit shiny. I always need to put powder on my face. I worry about getting all wrinkly, so I look too old. Then they put together a personalized skincare regimen just for you. Take care of your face. It's your moneymaker. Skincare is a science. Take the guesswork out of it. You don't want to be gambling. And don't be fooled by the marketing fluff and a list of ingredients like papaya extract from Peru. Spoiler alert, those are fancy marketing words. We're only talking ingredients that actually make a difference on your skin. Start off with a five-piece trial set valued at 50 bucks by heading on over to geology.com slash greatest con. Geology.com slash greatest con. That's G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com slash greatest con. You'll be keeping us in business. You'll be keeping your moneymaker looking good. And most importantly, you'll be taking the guesswork out of the voodoo of skincare. Start with a 30-day trial of all five products. Twice every day face wash, vital morning face cream, repeating night cream, and nourishing eye cream. You get two bottles of the face wash so you can have one in your bag, one in the shower. When you fall in love, continue with 90-day supplies of all the products you dig the most. Subscribe and save or just go a la carte. You're in total control. That's 50% off your 30-day trial at geology.com slash greatest con. Justin writes... I had a friend in the army whose wife was from North Pole, Alaska. Uh, He gets drug into an office one day and threatened with Article 15, punishment in the military where they reduce your rank, fine you, and make you do extra work because they believed he had falsified a form. Turns out when he listed his wife's residence as North Pole, somebody (laughs) thought he was being funny, didn't bother to check if it was a real place or not. This was in 2001 and uh, uh, nobody had a smartphone for instant fact checking. But Uh, still, if it makes you feel any better, uh, I I was one year earlier when I found out that North Pole was a place too. Uh, (laughs) that's amazing, though. All right. This is a great one. Marco writes here in Switzerland. Everything's a bit smaller and slower. So were our game shows and the stakes. In 1999, Tommaso Ramundo was caught cheating uh, on the popular game show Riskio. They did the training sessions with the audience, but fake candidates had real questions. So a helper uh, 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 wrote the right answers down and hid them for the actual contestant behind a toilet. Uh, that candidate reviewed the answer, memorized them, so he could play on the show. It blew up because he got mixed up on the order of the answers and gave the answer confidently to the next question. Oh no. So let's say for, for example, he gave the answer to question number five, right? For question four. So like the first question is like, what's the capital of Arizona? And I say, uh, uh, George Washington Carver. (laughs) And the next next one is is, who invented the peanut? peanut. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, the next question, uh, which, uh, oh man, uh, uh, das ich de F- 
Fußballer Moldovan Giz. Nailed it. Which apparently was so popular, became such a meme, it was made into a song that was popular in Switzerland because this was its own little uh, mini scandal. They finished the recording and even aired the show, but it led to an investigation and a trial where it was revealed that he and his two friends had pulled uh, a, a stunt like this a few years earlier as well. Our national television was scolded for naivete and uh, the people got sentences on probation on the TV side. The only consequence was as far as it's publicly known that they used a different set of questions going forward for preparation, which probably smart. You want to know what? It's a good change. Seems like you should do that. Uh, It's astonishing how, I mean, this is one of those human moments, right? It's not only the humanity that gets us to fall for the scams, but it's also the humanity that reveals the frauds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I, it was one of those things where I looked at it and I was like, oh man, we should do like a little mini episode or something, but you really can't pull foreign language stuff and have it, have it played. What's funny way. is I, I have a, a personal anecdote that I really want to share right now about accidentally becoming uh complicit in a fraud giveaway. Well, we're going to save it. Because it's a really good story. That's correct. It's going to make a really good intro one day and we don't want to burn That's it right. in the Q and a episode. <laughs> That is that is the face of bare, white knuckle restraint from Brian oh, Brunson. This right is now. as good as it gets. <laughs> uh, finally, last question. Joey wrote, uh, do serial numbers on $1 bills have a pattern? Like if it's printed in New York, it, does it start with a certain series of numbers? And if it's printed at another mint, would it start with another series of numbers? Could it be possible that the radio contest for Michael Larson was unwinnable, that they were using totally random numbers that could never be created. I think we had to do the thing we where we were just careful on our language to make sure we're accurate. We don't know. Okay. Is, yeah. is, that's 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 we, the we can find no confirmation of the exact rules of the conference. Uh, we can find no confirmation of the exact rules of the contest. Yes. And so uh, but we do know for a fact that involved the radio calling out some random numbers. If you had the bill that matched it, you yes. won. And you do the math. Michael Larson certainly thought he would win and pull this off. Effectively, the bulk of that story comes from the common law wife. Uh, she is the one that that drives the the uh, narrative in the game show documentary. Uh, and and by all accounts, we are we are trusting her at her word that that is the reason why there was all these uh, uh, you know bills that he had removed from the bank. Uh, And uh, it's worth noting that as we're recording this, uh, we uh, of the second season, this is the first one that we've done our best to convert into a full on YouTube uh, think piece video essay with lots of visuals and stuff. So right now I'm in the middle of getting a lot of emails that have strong opinions as to exactly how somebody would know all that cash was there on that night uh, and specifically casting aspersions on the common law wife. Uh, and I have responded, tell me if I'm wrong on this, that, that you, uh, that your take is that it's a small town. It's not rocket science. If you, if you it, knew it, the it, money is in it, there, it, it ain't exactly Bel Air. <laughs> like yeah. it ain't exactly Brentwood. He was, he was not living in a, in, in a super rich area. He was probably the most famous person in town and word gets around really, really, really fast if $50,000 in loose bills are laying around. So at this point, now that we've wrapped up season two, uh, I suppose before we speculate wildly about what 
the future holds for us, uh, we should remind everybody a heartfelt thanks to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash greatest con. We didn't know if using the Patreon model was going to work after season one, especially because we made a move that we had never made before, which was to promise essentially nothing. Only promise that you would get episodes faster, better, uh, and sooner, and you would never hear an ad. And yeah, we were able to keep those promises. However, who month after month after month, as that support comes rolling in and we have to keep our lips sealed and we have to just give one update per month where we're like, it's coming. Yeah. It was agony. And you have no idea. I mean, I would love to hear your take on it, but oh my God, I felt like a million pounds of pressure was off my chest. The moment we were able to start releasing in season two. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think from, from my perspective with like the dog and pony show production element of it, it just is the difference of night and day uh, of being able to bring people on and pay them, you know, uh, the money that they deserve to be paid to make the show. Uh, uh, it, it just, it helps in so many, so many, so many ways. And, you know, especially going into, you know, where, what we're doing, you know, with, with the, with the new season is like, that there's going to be some resources that need to be spent. Like this is, this is not going to be uh, uh, like anything that we've ever done before. And that requires money and, and, you know, money in, in production, I think buys you coupons. If you're on a deadline, it buys you coupons to do things over. It buys you coupons to do things right. It buys you coupons to say, no, stay on this project and, and let's make it exactly what we need it to be. And I think for a show like this, that's important. Uh, I know that we have a blood oath that we will not speak about any specifics of season three. Um, But I think I'm not ruining anything from the money side of things by saying that the patronage is allowing us to do things like book flights to meet people in person. Yes. Uh, That's, that's, that's as much as I'll say about season three and going forward. uh, If you want to see that level of increase in production and, and storytelling, then by all means, please head over to patreon.com slash greatest con. And that was the thing that we didn't have initially that now we do is that annual uh, payment. So if you just would like to kick us, get it over with, rip off that bandaid. Exactly. You, you, you can do that uh, now before we go though, although this is traditionally the end of our season, I do think that we can uh, uh, tease out the fact that uh, we're going to have a feed drop next week. Yep. So uh, for those who are not familiar with the term, what does that mean for them? That's when another amazing podcast uh, allows uh, us to put one of their awesome episodes in, in our feed. And we will uh, in, in turn also be able to have our podcast be played for all of their audience. As a matter of fact, awesome. a pretty good chunk of the folks listening right now. All it was entirely because uh, Jack Resider over at Darknet Diaries yep. just decided. Well, I was like, "Hey, man, can you give a plug or whatever?" He's like, "Nah, I'm just gonna drop the whole episode in." And I was like, "That that that'd be that works as well." Be, oh, yeah, sure. You that's okay. cool. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> Big shout out to Jack. What a hero! Uh, what a hero! What a legend! Uh, but also, within the next few weeks, this won't be the last time that you hear Brian's voice. We're gonna have. Maybe a little interview. Uh, yeah, I don't want to give details out, but if you liked season one and you want to hear somebody very qualified to talk to me about season one, mm-hmm. 
maybe in the context of something else, stick around yeah. because I think I might have an interview with someone. Yeah. We, we, we really want to reward you guys uh, uh, because you have been so great to this show. Uh, you've been so supportive of, of getting this, getting this out there. So any extra content that we can bring you in between seasons is something that we're always going to strive to do. And before we wrap up uh, one thing, the most important thing is if anybody knows whether it's McFadian or McFadian, oh, please yeah. let me know because we found examples of both all over the place. And you can hear we recorded some one way, some the other way. Well, we eventually, probably the easiest thing would be if somebody knows Matthew and could just reach out. If you could really just have him call, contact us directly. That would be the best. World's greatest con at gmail.com. The but, liar uh, man. But if you want, look, man, that's, uh, that's out there. The liar man is ready. It is, it is poised. Okay. Thank you to everybody for the support. Uh, don't be shy about reaching out to both of us on Twitter. I'm at Schwood. That's S-H-W-O-O-D. Justin is at Justin R. Young, all spelled mm-hmm. the way it sounds. Thank you guys. As you continue to make dreams come true, uh, know that uh, in our hearts, the world's greatest con was when you made us fall in love with you. Too cheesy? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Do the... Do the- do the do the line. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, hold on. Hmm. Okay. You know what? I suspect someday there'll be a convention where we'll meet face to face, and when that happens, it will be the world's greatest con. <laughs> you don't want to no? do no cons don't fool us because we're stupid. They fool us because we're human. Okay, all right. Third take. Third take. Sure. All right. <clears throat> <laughs> Till then, just remember, people, cons don't fool us because we're stupid. They fool us because we're human. And everything that we're pulling on you just might be the world's greatest con. Love you guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio. 